All right. Who's ready for God's Word today? A uh, few of you are, okay? We'll, we'll get you guys here and just sit over here. No, I'm kidding. All right, well, listen, uh, I've asked uh, one of our late elders, Thomas Varghese, uh, to bring the message this morning. Uh, and I'll be back in the pulpit next Sunday morning, raring to go. And, um, but Thomas, uh, as you guys know, faithful in our church for many years, he and his family uh, serve in multiple capacities. But Thomas has been instrumental in, um, in helping our church um, navigate through the last five, six years transition-wise, as well as helping to uh, be a uh, life group leader and uh, provide some pastoral care for many of you and help assisting in that. And um, he's got a small accent, uh, so, uh, you know, you bear with that, but um, other than that, you'll be good. No, but listen, I love Thomas. You guys love Thomas? Amen. Amen. He's a good brother. He's a good man. So let's, uh, let's give him the opportunity today to bring God's message to us. Y'all talk funny. <laughs> Couldn't pass that one up. I'll tell you a funny story, though. <clears throat> you know, I work in the media business. I sound awfully hot. I'm hot. I mean, my volume's hot. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, my kids are going. <laughs> they hear this all the time. Um, you know, sometimes you don't know how to react to people. So I'm in the media business, and um, many years ago, I was at a dentist's office, and I knew everybody in there. Um, and they were asking me if I knew somebody, you know. And they see an Indian and think, well, do you know so-and-so? No, there's only one billion Indians in the world. I mean, why wouldn't I know everybody? But... Uh, Anyway, they were trying to describe uh, a, a person to me, and, uh, but it was an Indian guy. It was some white guy. And um, they said, do you know so-and-so, so-and-so? I said, no, man. Well, I'm surprised you don't know him. Cause I said, you know, it was one of those moments when I go, should I do it or not? And I said, I'm going to go for it. I said, I don't know. All you white people look the same to me. <laughs> so, okay. God made us different on purpose. <laughs> and everybody's got to be comfortable in their skin, you know. Sometimes it's got color, other times it doesn't. But uh, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. It's interesting to me today, I was just listening to all the words of the songs and the themes and the prayers. And I believe that this is not by accident uh, that... My message is the way it is today. And uh, so today, I'm going to talk to you about death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, earlier this year, you guys know, I went in February and March uh, to India. And I got to preach there at a pastor's conference for a week. Um, these are some of the things that the Lord been laying on my heart for a while now. And I really felt like he wanted me to share now, this is a big tax for me, okay? I'm sh- condensing four days' worth of preaching down into... <laughs> you can leave, Max, now. <laughs> Next time you go 45 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm standing up and waving at you. <clears throat> Don't think I want to do it either. All right. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you this. People who go out of church should look happy, like they've had a good time, they met the Lord, and something good happened, right? 
So when you leave a church or go around and say, oh, I go to so-and-so church, oh, praise the Lord, we had a really good time. Who wants to go to a place like that? I don't. You know, when I leave here, I want to take something that God's given me. He's put it into my heart. He's given me in my life. And, you know, he's done something for me. I don't leave the same as I come in. No matter how old you are in the faith, or how advanced you are, how mature, it doesn't matter. We're all babies when it comes to the Lord. And he always has something for us. So the key verse for today is out of John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. I tell you the solemn truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The one who loves his life destroys it. And the one who hates his life in this world guards it for eternal life. If anyone wants to serve me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant, my servant will be too. <clears throat> if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray that right now, Lord, you dig the ground in our hearts and our minds. Lord, it's not me, Lord. It's your word, Father. Pray that what you want to say will flow out of me. It'll be received and bear fruit, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I ask your forgiveness ahead of time if I offend you or take you off or, you know, hold on to that which is good. Chuck the rest. Put what I say to the test, see if the Word of God agrees with it. And I say that for every preacher. Don't listen to everything you hear and say it's all good. It's not. Even the best of preachers. We're all human. <clears throat> and sometimes, uh, not sometimes, many times we do stupid. Yep. It's humankind's one great specialty, doing stupid. <clears throat> so I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies... So in our Christian walk, this is a cycle we go through continually. Death, burial, and resurrection. It never stops. Okay? Scripture says that there are two things that happen in our life. The very first thing is the whole issue of salvation. All right? That is you coming to the Lord, acknowledging what he's done for you, and, and, and confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, and that's where our walk with the Lord starts. That's the beginning. So when somebody gets saved, it's not the end of his Christian life. It's the beginning of his Christian life. Okay? Of walking with Christ. So Jesus came to the shore and Peter, James, John, Ernest, come, follow me. The moment they started, that's when their journey began. Okay? And to, till we die, we continue to do that. So... What happens in the process of our life is we work out our salvation, as Scripture said, with fear and trembling. So we have this thing called sanctification going on in our life, which is God turns the light on little by little because we can't handle all the truth at once. You can't handle the truth. If you guys know which movie that's from. All right. All righty. God speaks to me through movies all the time. Yes. I was watching Robin Hood once, the old one with K. 
Kevin Costner in it. And there's this final scene. Okay, now you guys have heard this before. You know, he's having this fight with the sheriff of Nottingham. And he goes, he holds this, the sheriff holds the sword up. And he goes, you recognize the sword? And Robin Hood goes, I shall not fear my father's sword. I lost it in that movie. I had like scripture just jumping at me. You know, <laughs> Word of God, truth. And why should we fear the father's sword, right? It's healing for us. I'm sorry. That was a little aside. That's for free. <clears throat> so anyway, so this is whole process of sanctification goes on in our life, which is that God shows us things. See, we're like little children. If I, if I told, I don't know, Daniel might not be good. He's not overwhelmed by much. Uh, but, you know, most kids, if you tell them, hey, you know what? I need you to take my car and go downtown, and here's a shopping list, and here's a debit card. Just go. Six-year-old. They're just going to look at you like, uh, and they'll probably start crying, right? Okay, that's the way we have. God tells us everything we need to know at once. All right? So this whole process of working out our fear, our salvation with fear and trembling, God reveals to us what we need, when we need it. At that time, we have the obligation to respond somehow. You can't just go away. Okay? Not to decide is to decide. With God, there is no gray area in, in that sense. When he says come, you can either come or not come. You can't say I'm thinking about it. The moment you say I'm thinking about it means you're not going. So, get rid of those gray areas that way. If he says, here it is, then you say yes or no. Come, yes or no. Sit, stand, whatever it is, okay? So, during our life, what happens is God is always constantly doing these things in our life. Now, we go through the cycle. So, it's not, it's not something that just happens once. Scripture tells us what? Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the tense on that. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do some studying. You know, it's a present continuous, right? Be continually be filled, which means that you're being filled all the time. You don't stop. So don't say, well, I've come to church. I got my dose for one hour. I'm good for the week. No, you're not. Every second, God is going to fill you with what you need for the next second and for the next second. And this, so this is a walk. And this is part of our walk. So until we learn to do that, we're going to be really, really in bad shape. So if you're walking around like this, going around and around in circles, don't know what to do, and I'm not talking about careers and choices, but, you know, in terms of walking with the Lord, you have to learn to tap in it. And it has got nothing to do with me. Listen, I'm the worst person I know. Sometimes you guys think I'm just by saying that, but I'm not. It's easy for me to love anybody because I'm the worst person I know. Jesus loves me. It's okay. I can love anybody else. Okay? I know the depth of my depravity. I know where the Lord brought me out of. I know where I've been. I know where I can go if he lets go of me. And he doesn't. See, that is the beauty of walking with Jesus. Even though a righteous man stumbles, he will not fall. Why? Because the Lord's hand sustains him. It's not our hand. Think of yourself as a little kid. You know, you ever walked along? You ever taken little kids who walk with barely walking? And the Lord showed this to me, I think, either with... I don't know, it was Samuel or Josiah when they were, were out in our backyard. And they were like doing this, you know, stumble, tumble walk that kids do. And he was holding my hand, but actually I was holding his hand. So when he suddenly tripped and fell, he was dangling, but he didn't fall. I just set him back on his feet again. So 
I'm going to make life real simple for you. That's your Christian walk. You stumble, you dangle, he puts you back on your feet. You stumble, you dangle, puts you back on your feet. You fall down, he picks you up, he puts you back on your feet. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do. If God, think we, God thought we could do something, he didn't need to die on the cross for that, right? It's for what we cannot do. So don't get too stuck on yourself. Don't get too hung up about your inadequacies and the things you cannot do. Okay? The Lord told me a long time ago, he said, look, I knew what you did. I know what you're doing. I know what you're going to do. And if you think that stopped me, you got to change your mind about that. And I know you're going to fall. So here's what you got to learn to do. How fast can you get up? Don't stay there. Okay? So, then I'll walk. Let's go through here. So, first thing, death. Not a pleasant topic to talk about. The very first official ceremony I ever did was a funeral as a pastor. And I thought, well, you know, death is part of life. So, from the moment you're born, guess what you're doing? You're not living. You are dying. I know, it's kind of morbid, depressing. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm learning how to die. No, I don't want you guys to be depressed about anything. I want to, I want to leave you with something good. Right? So, but these are, we have to be real about what life is. Because if we deceive ourselves about who we are and what we do, and, you know, we can't get anywhere. We just stay in a place, go around around the mountain. So, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. It remains by itself alone. So, one of the things that God's going to do continually in our life is kill you. Continually. Former things must pass away, right? Put to death the old man. I mean, there's like all these things about dying to save a... If a person is not willing to take up his cross, if you're not willing to die to yourself, if you're not willing to throw away your life, if you're going to... I'm like, okay, stop already, you know? But who set the first example for that? Jesus did. He didn't have to do it. But he fulfilled this whole scripture himself. He died. He was buried, and he was resurrected. Because of that, there's the fruit of salvation to many souls for eternity. So God's not asking us to do something that he's not aware of. Jesus knows what it means. So unless you let go, always in our life, life is a result of death. Okay? Something is, even, even the whole idea of a fetus being born. You know, there's, there's a sperm and then there's the egg and both those have to actually die in order to form the actual fetus, all right? The f- There's no entity left. They die. So anywhere you look in creation, seed falls to the ground and dies. There's no life just coming out of nowhere. The only time that happened was when God spoke it into existence. There's this whole cycle. The circle of life. Sorry, I couldn't pass that one up. Yes, I'm Rafiki or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, watch Lion King. You'll know what that means. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> help me, Lord. Some things must die in order for other things to come to life. Okay? So what happens when you die? You lose what you have, what you are. See? It's no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. And how does that work? This has to die. Every day, every moment, somehow I have to find a way to put it to death. So that's the first step in moving forward in Christian life, is learning how to die. So what does that mean? It's not some intellectual, you know, agreement with, oh yeah, that's right, that's what the Bible says. No. It means when you come to the Lord, you know, God's given me a fairly decent brain. Most days I can think straight. Uh, there were some years of my life I didn't. You all know the story behind that. But, uh, you know, we have this whole idea that we can solve things. It's an illusion. We can't fix anything. Everything's going to stay broke till Jesus comes back. Otherwise, you don't need a resurrection if everything's fine right now. So I'm not saying don't give up on working on things. It means that we have this idea that we can, we can fix, I can fix things. No, the Lord can fix things through us if we listen to what he says. But we can do that. So what we try to do is right on the front end, we just, okay, let me think. That, you know, I'm a problem solver. So, I, you know, I have to learn to listen. And I want to fix things as soon as people start saying things to me. No. It means that whatever is our own, whatever is our right, what we have a right to do, what we think about, we lay before the Lord and say, Lord, here's all my stuff. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? And whatever he says next is the most important thing for your life. And that's what you need to do. No matter you think how smart you are. That's how I solve problems. And usually it's a better way than just going through steps one, two, three, whatever, you know. Even at work, there are some situations where I know I'm about to do something. I just feel like I just, something doesn't feel right about it. I just sit on it. I say, Lord, I don't know what it is. Here's what I should be doing. My boss looks at me and says, this is what you should be doing. I don't do it. I wait at the right moment. The Lord gives me the right thing. And just like that, two, three, four, five, six things. It's like dominoes falling. You just go, whoa, didn't know that was going to happen. You know? It's like the guy was still trying to kill moles in his yard and poured gas down the rat holes and saw his neighbor's yard blow up when he lit it up, right? So sometimes that's the way the Lord works. You don't know about this? <laughs> so, this actually happened. Some guy had moles in his backyard and he decided, I've tried everything. I'm just going to fill all the holes with gas and light it up. And he did. Only thing was the moles went over to his neighbor's yard and blew his neighbor's yard up. Because <laughs> that's where all the gas was. Oops, didn't know I was going to do that. <laughs> yeah, truth is stranger than fiction. I better hurry. We'll be here till 2 o'clock. All right, so if you want revival in your life, if you want newness in your life, the first step is death, all right? You have to die. Whatever your goals are, your ambitions are, whatever your desires are, the thing you want to do does not matter. 
I had to do that in my own life. Okay? God, I came here to be an audio engineer, recording, making records and albums and making tons of money, but you can see I'm not. As a goal that I actually lay on the altar, the Lord asked me to lay it down because he had other things for me to do. Money is nothing, okay? If you need money for something, God will send it to you. I've never lacked for anything in my life. If I've needed lots of money for something, it comes, and I don't, it's not there. It's okay. Security is overrated. Jesus will take care of you. Don't be stupid, you know, but trust the Lord. <clears throat> so anyway, revival comes in the midst of death. There's no, so that's the first condition. All right, so let's move on to next thing. So what happens when the seed falls to the ground? This is very important, this part. It's like all the other 66 books of the Bible, but what happens when a seed falls to the ground? You guys studied biology, right? So it stays there, and it starts to what? Yeah, it starts to rot, really, fall apart, disintegrate, right? Somewhere in there, something begins to germinate, but Unless it begins to disintegrate, that thing cannot come out. So what happens? Okay, let's just forget the seed. Let's just go to general burial. What happens when something is buried? Come on, come on. Participation. All right, so it begins to what? Lose its identity. And it returns to what? Dust. You leave anything out long enough, it will turn to dust. Except for kudzu. <laughs> I sometimes think God created hell for kudzu. Because that's the only thing that's going to kill it. <laughs> right? So, sorry. Oh, man. Don't do that to me. See, this is the... Yeah, you've never seen a preacher talk like this before, right? It tells me I got a wrong password. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to let this thing go to sleep. I don't use a computer much when I speak, and today I did, because I had way too many things to put on pieces of paper. <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> It'll come back up in a minute. While it's doing that, I'll just talk to you. So, so what happens? It falls to the ground. I really don't need it, but... Um, it falls to the ground, and it starts to lose its identity. So here's what happens to us during the burial process. Everything that I am, everything that I want to be, it has to disappear. It becomes dust. Now, dust, dirt, is very important in Scripture. Do you know why? From the dust we came, into the dust we returned. Do you know that the only thing God didn't speak into existence was what? Us. Everything else he spoke into existence, right? Let there be light, let there be plants, let there be everything. Human beings are the only thing God made with his hands. What does it say? Out of the dust he formed them, right? And even at that point, there's no life in them. You know, those of you who do like clay modeling and sculpture, what? It's, it's life. It's just, it's just dirt. 
But this dirt is about to do something very cool. So what does God do? He goes, and all of a sudden, the dirt changes into life. Now, you and I can't do that. I mean, I've tried blowing on the dirt out in my backyard. It just stays dirt. <laughs> you try blowing on a sculpture you make next time. See what happens. Something wonderful happens when the Spirit of God is breathed into dirt. It comes to life. Right? Woo! <laughs> that is just something mind-blowing to me. That's why God is who He is. So what happens is that in this process of being buried, there are several things that happen. We lose... Mike is laughing. Yeah, man. We lose our identity. We lose our shape, our form. Whatever it was when we fall to the ground, it's no longer that anymore. You morph into dirt. We're all just a bunch of dirt bags. That's right. Dirt. We're, we're bags of dirt with the Spirit of God fl- life flowing through us. It's an amazing thing, right? So, Adam and Eve had no life till God breathed it into them. So first you got to die. Then you got to decompose. Want to hear a really bad joke? What a Beethoven so They opened his coffin up. Don't disturb me. I'm decomposing. Sorry. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> I know you guys are trying to sleep, and I'm trying to keep you awake. <laughs> so, Adam and Eve, so we have been buried with Christ. So, Romans 6, 4, what does it say? We have been buried with him through baptism into death. Why? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may have a new life. So you want to live? Got to die. Don't be afraid of what God is doing to you. That better be Jesus calling, Karen, because I'm telling you. Hello? Yeah, see if it's Jesus. I mean, you never know. It's not. Okay. Caller ID tells her somebody else. <clears throat> Therefore, <laughs> we've been buried with Christ through baptism. So, in this process of burial, God is stripping us of everything that we are. And it's very conditional to what happens afterwards. Right? So Jesus in his parables, what did he give us? He gave us a couple of old and new things, like parables. Like no one, no one can sew a new patch of garment 
into an old one, right? Because it'll tear the old. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. Does anybody know why that is? Okay. Anybody who doesn't know that that is, I'll, I'll do a quick explanation. Okay. What? Admit. See, if you can't, uh, if you can't admit your ignorance, you're not going to go anywhere. The first step to knowledge is knowing what you don't know. Confucius? No. I don't know. I just made that up. All right, so you cannot put new wine into old wine skins. It will explode the skins because the wine's still fermenting and it causes gases and expansion. It will break. So God is not going to give his new life into the old self. So the old self's got to go. And this process is part of our sanctification. So we're going through it every day, every moment. It gives you opportunities, old self, new self. Which one are you going to listen, you know? So it's really not the good angel, bad angel sitting on your shoulders. It's your old self and new self sitting on your shoulders. And the voice of God speaking to you saying, this is the way you should walk in it. That's part of the new covenant, right? He said, I will put my spirit in your heart. I will write my words on your heart. You will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. No longer shall a man teach another man. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin. We convince us of... And you, do, you know, sometimes you always think about the Holy Spirit as the, all he does is tell us how we go wrong. No. He's our counselor. So stop being only corrected by him. Do something. Ask him for help. Ask him for advice. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all manner of truth. And the rest of that sentence is, and he will show you things that are yet to come. You want to know what's going to happen tomorrow? Ask the Holy Spirit. If you need to know it, he'll let you know. I have seen things years ahead of time and not been surprised by them. God either gave me a dream or he spoke to me while I was reading. I don't know. Is this there? That's his job. So, you know, don't be dumb about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. What should I do? He's our counselor. He's the smartest person and the biggest resource you can ever have. There's no HR department in the world that can hold a candle to the Holy Spirit. It's HSA, not HR department. Yeah, just remember that. I rely on the Holy Spirit for everything. Because I know no matter how smart I am, no matter how many smart people are around me, and how many meetings and things like we go through, eventually... He's the one who knows what's... See, we can make all these plans, but God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So why do you want to be foolish about that? So, so we have to be completely effaced. And there's nothing left of us in this process of burial. Then, see, that's the thing about it. You know, say you are... Let's just take the whole analogy of a statue. Say you are a clay statue, Right? And God wants to change you, right? I mean, he's not going to let you stay the same. So he wants to do something with your life. Well, he can't do anything with you. Already in some sort of hard, immovable shape. I mean, what is he going to do with you? He has to turn you back into dirt before he can work with you. And that whole process is this whole dying to self, burial process. He has to turn us back into dirt. Once we're dust, he can form something out of us. And then he'll breathe his life into it. And this keeps going on. All right. 
You want to know that I actually preached a whole hour on each one of these? <laughs> so I'm working these down. But I think I'm speaking the words that the Lord wants me to share with you this morning. I want you to understand that the things that are happening in your life aren't by chance. So what is this whole dying to self? Okay, one of the toughest things that happened to me, and this is going back to the first one, is that when Micah was hurt, and he was all plugged up in the room at Vandy, you know, I had to go outside and think about what I was going to be in the next few hours. Was I going to be this crazy dad who's gone all bonkers now because, ah, you know, end of the world, you know, my son, there's that and the other. People go through trauma every day. I'm not the only one hurting. I had some mental decisions to make that had to rule my heart and my emotions, right? So I've been walking with the Lord a long time now. This hadn't come out of surprise to him, right? So at that point, I have to ask myself, okay, Lord, what is it you, that you really want to do here? And how should I even pray? Because you know what I'm going to pray, because I'm a dad, right? I'll tell you one of the toughest things that I ever did. I was outside. I said, Lord, I want you to bring my boy back. Because I'm his father and I love my child. But I understand that if it serves your will better, that things stay as they are, then I'm okay with that too. <laughs> that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. You see, God is not going to just let us... He's not some big teddy bear just keeping you safe from life. He is going to let you suffer. He's going to let you go through pain. But the miracle is that in the middle of that, there is still God. He does not abandon you. He doesn't leave you. I never knew what the word sorrowful yet rejoicing meant because that happens in our life every day. My friends, the things I'm talking to you about today didn't come to me cheaply, you see. I had to do these. What I'm talking to you about today, I had, I had to go through this. You have to die to yourself. Everything that you want to do, want to be, has to disappear and become dust. At that point, maybe God can just start doing something with your life. And the miracle is waiting to happen. But those are the first two conditions, see? The miracle is waiting to happen, but that's the first two conditions. Because the miracle is what? But if it dies, it produces much grain. So death is not death. It's life. Don't be scared of the things that are dying in your life or what God's putting you through. It's going to produce life in you. Don't run from it. Embrace it. Fall on the Holy Spirit. If you've got to cry, cry. Don't be, don't be shy about it. God can handle it. He's a big boy. I have yelling matches with the Lord all the time. And at the end of it, he's like, okay, are you done yet? Or should I sit here some more time and listen to you? He's gracious to me, you know. I'm like a big kid. You know, don't put on your suit and tie and say, Oh, Heavenly Father, I have a request to make of you. And he said, go outside before I slap you silly. Come back proper. That's what he's going to do. 
So, you have to lose your identity. In burial, that's what happens. You're completely stripped of everything that you are. There's no more you left. Now, <laughs> so now, all of a sudden, there's this life that comes, and God is going to bring. Now, what is God's economy? You know that scripture tells us that there bears fruit, what? 120-fold? 1,000-fold? What do you want? The sky's the limit on this. See, God has given me a really radical view of ministry. And I've been writing a little bit on it. And I may have shared some of this before. But he showed me that a lot of us are always concentrating on the fruit. We want to go from before death to producing fruit all the time. This is what I want. I want to see harvest, harvest. No, it doesn't come that way. There's a process. So, so what is this fruit? I don't know. Whatever it is in your life. Maybe ministry. Maybe you're very good at making money. God's going to bless you with that. I know people like that. Don't think that godliness and holiness is all strictly reserved to Sunday mornings and raising your hands and praying. No. God's given you a gift to use in the world so that you can help people, whether it's problem solving or counseling, whether it's art, whether it's music, whatever it is, you know, whether it's saving people, paramedics, important. Whether you're a pilot, maybe you're a businessman, maybe you don't know how to do, play the guitar, maybe you don't know, you know, how to teach, but you're very good at turning money. Well, do that and bless people with it. God has given you gifts. When you die to yourself, you'll find out what he can do with what there is. Just a banner. If you've got a business, give it to the Lord and say, take off. Be an honest businessman. Trust the Lord. Ask his help. Treat people fairly. Ask him to send you business. Okay? I'll tell you a business story. So, <clears throat> my uncle and aunt. I have an uncle and aunt. He's my mom's youngest sister and her husband. And she's like a few years older than me. So, we've been like buddies all our life. They have a carpet business. It's called Abraham's Orientals. If you open up Southern Living, you'll see an ad in there. All right? That's a pretty big magazine. Architectural Digest sometimes. There's a rags to riches story. Uncle used to decide whether to eat lunch or not, depending on how much money he had left over so the kids' diapers could be bought. So... They started this business because they believed that the Lord, they both had jobs, okay? They came here, I don't know, 50, 45 years ago, I don't know. They've been here a while. And their business, this is how the business ran. So, you know, I don't know, some of you met my mom. My mom has these gifts that the Lord's given her to help people with. She prays for stuff and, you know, she sees things near in prayer. So for many years, when they would have a rough time, so this is how you learn to ask for help, okay? They would call my mom and say, business is slow and we don't know why it's not moving. Will you please pray for us? And see what the Lord shows you. So there are people around you who can do that for you, see? And this is part of being fruit and bearing fruit. So mom would pray, and the Lord would show her a pattern of a rug 
and she say buy this and they'd be the only people in town and that was the hot item that's how the business grew for years like i never heard of doing business that way well that's the lord's economy he knows what the trend is going to be before it becomes a trend so don't get stuck on this being in this building and doing the 10 things that you've always been taught or whatever it is okay part of part of new life is having new life not the old stuff if you hold on to what you have you will never get anything new all right sit down come up here for a second come on grab that phone I don't care just grab a something put that now I'm going to oversimplify this all right and hold one in each hand all right Sydney no hold one in each hand now I want you to hold this bag <laughs> who said that you're fired I don't need any help with my illustrations. Thank you. You see my point? As long as her hands are full with that stuff, she can't have this stuff. You want God to give you new things? Thank you, Cindy. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Putting you on the spot. Let go of the old. I mean, don't be like, "Oh, I'm just letting everything go." They try to do that at Woodstock and work out too good for a lot of people. So anyway, no, I don't want to quit now. If you want something new from the Lord, you have to let go. So part of the ministry is what the Lord's producing in your fruit. So what is the resurrection? Well, resurrection is whatever life God brings into your life, whatever he gives you to do. But you can't get there. So as I was sharing earlier God's given me a really radical view of ministry. So we're always looking at the things of the Lord and not of the Lord. You see a lot of people want to come to church and have the things of the Lord. All right? So God showed me a picture about that one day I was praying. So this huge dining table. You know, it's like a feast of the lamb kind of a thing. And there's all people out there. They're all busy talking, eating, hey, pass me this. Oh, you look good. Great. You know, all God's people, right? Jesus sitting at the head of the table just all by himself. Like this. And I said, "What's the matter, Lord?" He said, "Well, they're all enjoying themselves, nobody wants to talk to me." It broke my heart, you know. Because this is what we do. God give me this, God give me that, God deal with that person, God. But Jesus said, "Hey, Hey, I'm here. Stop. Do not worry about what you will eat, what you drink, and what you wear. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And we do the exact opposite. We spend all our energy, all our time, all our resources in seeking after eating, drinking, wearing, sleeping, shelter. 
Don't be that way. Yes, now we're going to say, man, how am I supposed to live then? Well, this is the part of becoming dust. I'm not saying don't work. I'm not saying don't be smart. I'm saying don't let these things consume your life because your life is worth a lot more than that. It's a lot more. Why would you want to come to the end of your life and say, I worked really hard and now I'm dead? And what did you do while you were alive? What did you do while you were alive? Even a cabbage can do that. That's my cabbage illustration. It grows, it dies. But it stays a cabbage its entire life. Don't be a cabbage. Come on. Something has to happen with our life that has not got to do with consumption and entertainment and pleasing ourselves and whatever. I mean, I mean hey. You know what I like to do? As soon as church over, I probably want to go home, get my feet up, turn the tube on, you know, just chill, fall asleep. My kids have a joke about dad watching TV because I'm like Melman. I think I'm going to fall asleep. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But don't let it consume your life. Don't let your living consume your life. So how do you go by doing ministry? Well, this is what the Lord showed me. He showed me a picture. God showed me pictures about stuff, so. There's Jesus and me. We're walking. So just think about this as an everyday thing, all the moment thing. So tell us, what's going on? Oh, I don't know, Jesus. What's going on with you? So don't go say, oh, I'm hurting. Can you help me right now? Because my wallet's bleeding to death and my kids are doing this. And now he wants to talk. He knows all that stuff. Who's going to take care of God's stuff? Right. But he has hands and feet on this world, right? Jesus is not showing up everywhere preaching the gospel. Jesus is not here touching people's lives. Jesus is not giving people hugs. Jesus is not feeding the hungry. Jesus is not giving the cup of cold water to the one who's thirsty. Jesus is not clothing the naked. Who's doing that? We are the church. I tell you, if you give a thirsty person what a cup of cold water in mine's for my name's sake, it's like you've done it to me. There are no angels flying around preaching the gospel. We are. They see us fall. They see us get up. They see us stand all because of Jesus. That's the only strength I got. I got nothing in me. I don't have anything to give to anybody. There's no medicine in this bag. Unless Jesus gives me something, I got nothing to give to anybody. Even the things you hear me speak right now. So, conversation. So when you come to Jesus, have a conversation with him. So, what's going on? I don't know. Well, what's your day going to be like? Jesus will go, well, you know, I got 100 million people starving here. And, you know, I got kids being killed in Africa because of genocide. I got, you know, rape and kidnapping. And what's your day going to be like? Jesus cares about those things, you see. He's not blind to what goes on in the world. And he puts people in place to take care of that. I said, well, I've got a two o'clock shoot. It's pretty easy. I, you know, I don't know. I got some budget stuff to work on. You need help with that? Nah, I'm cool. No, you need help with that, really. 
Okay. I do. So while we're having this conversation through the day, we're just, you know, in and out. So this is part of being pray always, unceasingly. We make prayer this big thing to be where you come and kneel down and fall flat. And if there are times to do that, you know, or be laid out or be quiet, that's fine. Conversation with Jesus. Learn to practice that in your life. So walking along, all of a sudden he goes, hey, wait a minute. I go, what? See that woman over there. See that guy over there. Yeah, he's broke. Go give him 10 bucks. So I walk over there and say, hey, man, the Lord said to give this to you. And you leave. You don't do anything else. If the Lord leads you, pray for him. I've done this so many times. I went to one church one time. I didn't, I didn't go to where we were going regularly. The Lord said, take 100 bucks, put it in your pocket, and wait. So I went to this church. I have no idea why I'm there. At the end of the service, I'm talking to this person, and he's, you know, he's been in, in between jobs, and, you know, his kids are wanting to go out and eat, and they were saying, and he says, yeah, we were, we were just talking, right? He and I, mean, we talk about stuff all the time. We're just another conversation we're having, and the Lord says it's for him. So, basically, I was giving him lunch money because the kids wanted to go out to eat, and the Lord was answering their prayer. He told me about this later, See? He said, what are you doing here, man? I said, I don't know. The Lord told me to come, so I'm just kind of hanging out to see what happens. And at the end of the service, we were on our way out. You know, I'm not saying this to make myself look good. I'm just saying that this is how God works. I walked around with a check in my pocket for three weeks sometimes trying to get it to somebody. I didn't get to them. It was something I needed to give them. And the day I give it to them is the day they need it. There was one other time, you know, I... Stuff like this happens all the time, folks. You have to learn to open yourself up. And don't be shy. Be a doing fool for Jesus and things will change in your life. I'm walking to the office somewhere, you know, God will say pray for that person. And I don't know how many federal rules I'm breaking, but hey, that's okay. Jesus loves them too. Yeah, we can't be shy about stuff like that. And I'm not a perfect person. Everybody knows that. But this is the miracle. This is part of the whole resurrection story, see? So on your way, while you're doing things, Jesus will go, tap, tap. See that person over there? Give him a hug. Tell him Jesus loves you. That's all you need to know. Nothing else. At the end of the day, so as you walk along in life, as you go, so ministry for me is nothing. If Jesus says, oh, by the way, I need you to quit your job and go to Africa. Right? I have quit my job before. Went to work at Youthtown for a year. Came back to the office and said, I'm gone. Two weeks later, I was gone. Didn't know what I was going to get paid. Didn't know where I was staying. Remember, Tina and I both. The Lord told me to do that. So I did. So I'm not just making this stuff up. But <laughs> life with Jesus is never a dull moment. This is all I can tell you. But we do it where we are as we go. Don't think of yourself as too little. Don't think of yourself as having nothing. You have everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have all, what, what does Paul say? He says that, well, God who's not given us a son, not also give us, a, I mean, you think God, after giving Jesus, is going to withhold everything else for our life? That's just ridiculous. He's not. 
But we can't even start thinking that way unless we go through the first two steps. So let me warn you this, about this. There's a price to be paid for bearing fruit. You have to die and you have to be buried. That's the price. Now, you can be a cabbage if you want to. I'm not. I don't care. Walked too far, gone too far. I don't know how to do anything else anymore. I can't even be angry at the Lord anymore. I used to be angry at him all the time for screwing my life up, as I said. <laughs> but what did you do that for? I was just settling down. Like, can you just give me five minutes where I'm not having to do something? You know, you ever have these conversations with the Lord? Is your life just all hunky-dory? You're lying. And if it is, it's going to change for you, my friends. God does not intend for you to say a seed. He intends for you to produce fruit. And there's no other direction you can go. If you think you are, you just go somewhere else. Don't come here. We want new life. <laughs> you come, you die, you'll be buried, you bear life. You have new life. I'm, just, I'm not trying to be ugly, folks. I'm just saying that if you're looking for a plan where everything's just going to be smooth sailing and Jesus is the person you call on, help, you know, I'm stuck again. Can you bail me out? There are no bailouts in this economy. You're going to die and be buried. That's the only way you're going to have new life. And if you can't give that, well, stay where you are. You'll have a nice, dull life. And that's will be it. And God's going to ask you, what would you do? Just like he did the guys with the talents. Hey, you knew I was coming back. At least you should have put the darn one talent in the bank and I made some interest. Or you want to be thrown out like him. God didn't give us those stories just to be having a good time. Whatever little thing he's given you, use it. Whatever you need to die to, die. Hey, listen, I'm going through this every day. But it becomes a habit. And the more we do, the more we become like Jesus. And that's what he's all about. The best you that you can be is to be like Jesus. And the best way to do it is to die and to be buried and to be raised up. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised in newness of life, this we say all the time. And I just read earlier from Romans that we too might live a life of glory. God did not intend for you to have a nothing life. He intended for you to be in high places. He intended for you to be children. Who are we, folks? This is what I want to ask. Who are you? Who do you see yourself as? Unless we have a real paradigm shift in our thinking about who we are, we will continue to behave the way we think we are. Who are you? You know who Jesus is? He's the king of the universe. He rules the universe. He spoke everything into existence. He can just say one word and it's done. He has all the resources in the universe at his disposal. Every resource right? And I am his child. My Heavenly Father has everything I need. So until you start thinking yourself as princes and princesses, you're children of the light, you're children of the kingdom. 
behave that way. Don't live like a beggar when you're a child of a king. Don't act like a beggar when you're a child of a king. Resurrection is our inheritance, see? It's our inheritance. There's no other place for us to go. That's our inheritance. Amen? That helped you guys a little bit? Something to chew about, think on? Think about, chew on. Sorry. Got this one. Let me pray for you guys real quick. And thank you for staying extra. Father God, I just praise you, and I bless you, and I thank you. Lord, I pray that the words that have been spoken will not be wasted today, Lord. That like seed, it fall into good ground. And as due season, Lord, I pray that it will bring fruit. I know, Lord, that your word says there's nothing that goes out from you that returns void. And today, Lord, I just want to pray a blessing over what, what my brothers and sisters have heard, Lord, what you've spoken through me. I pray, Father, right now that it will bear fruit, Father. A thousandfold, Father, that as they walk through life, that it'll imbue them, Lord, with your energy, with your strength, with your solutions, with the life that you have prepared, with resurrection power, O oh Lord. That the same, as Ephesians tells us, Jesus, that the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead is inside of us. Lord, I pray that you help us to see that and walk and live like that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. We just bless your holy name. We just bless your holy name. Just, just lift a voice of praise to Jesus because, you know, he deserves it. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people, people. And if you don't praise him, there's no inhabitation. Hallelujah. Just, just, just raise your voice. It's okay. It's okay. Break the mold. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Jesus, hallelujah. Praise your name. You are the holy one. You are the king of kings. You're the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. You're Jehovah Adonai. You're Jehovah Rapha. You are king. You're lovely. You're beautiful. You're like the rising sun, O oh Lord. You're my life. You're my salvation. You're my power. You're my strength. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name. Sing through that there, Jake. 